Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. How are you guys doing? Doing well? Yeah, gotta release the tension. This is a woman's purity talk, guys. It's gotta release all the tension. I am so excited, so excited. I started off this morning a little nervous. It's been about four years since the last seek. That's wild. But I was in prayer and I just got so pumped. I got so excited, guys. It has been a rough few years, huh? Amen? And in these past years, there's just been a ton of isolation, a ton of just sitting alone on my phone, watching TV, on social media, and I have just been shocked. I mean, and honestly, not much shocks me. I talk about porn for a living, so trust me, not much shocks me. But the amount that I'm seeing on the screen of over-sexuality, just the culture and what is just the content that is constantly bombarding my phone, and that's me, who has all the filters in the world, it's everywhere. And so for you in this room right now, I wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart for your courage just to be sitting in those seats. I know this is a very sensitive topic, and we're going to talk about a lot of things. Honestly, this talk is for everyone in this room. We're talking about purity, sexuality, chastity, all the things, and we're talking about pornography and masturbation. And that can be something you've never struggled with in your past, and so you're here maybe to to understand it a little bit more, to help a fellow sister or brother, you know, maybe you're dating someone who has this addiction or struggle. Or maybe this is something that you're currently experiencing, you're currently wrestling with, whether it's in your past or it's a current battle that you're going through. No matter where you're at, just by being in the seats right now, you are punching the devil in the face, right? Because the devil does not want us to talk about this. The devil wants us to brush this under the rug, make us feel isolated, make us feel scared that we can't mention anything that we're struggling. Sexuality, no, women don't struggle with that. That's what men struggle with. Women struggle with emotional things, right? We struggle with just like our feelings. That's a lie. That's a lie that the devil wants to make us think that keep us alone, keep us isolated, and make us feel that we're not worthy of real, authentic love. So we're going to talk about some real things, some hard things. First, let me officially introduce myself, since it has been about four years. You guys probably don't know who I am. I am Kelsey Skoke. Uh, This is my family. This is my incredible husband. He might look familiar, he is one of the lead singers of the Focus Collective, so you see him on stage every night before sessions. These are my lovely children. We have Eleonora, who's four, Arimathea's three, Sophia's now one, and about four months ago, we added our little prince to the crew, James Michael Joseph, little JMJ. So if you see me with like four kiddos, just like corralling, just be kind and give a smile. A few of you have been awesome. I, yeah, I, I love Seek. I love being here. Um, but it is, it is a beautiful chaos right now in our life. Praise God. Praise God. But that's my life now. That's not where I've always been. I think years ago, this was a pipe dream of what was to look ahead. And I, I've been where you've been. If you're sitting there uh, just desiring a relationship or desiring love in that way, Desiring to feel known, to be cared for, to be pursued. I get that. My story, when it, when it comes to sexuality, there's a lot of ups and downs, but we'll, we'll stick to the addictions of pornography and masturbation just for my testimony right now. I, I saw over-sexualized content 
for the first time really that I can remember when I was 12 years old, very blatantly over-sexualized content when I was 12. I was flipping through stations on the TV, minding my own business, right? When I came across a movie series that had a very explicit, crude humor, and very blatant sexual scenes, right? It's 12 years old. And I remember it, it, it displayed a behavior that I had never heard of before. I knew what sex was, but this was a little different. And so I thought, I'm intrigued. I want to try this out. And so the first time I masturbated was really just because of mere curiosity. I was curious. And what I noticed was it calmed me down. It made me forget about any stresses that I had at the moment. And I felt happy for like a little bit, right? So over the years, I continued the behavior. And as I entered high school and the more stress that came on, tests, friend drama, boy drama, family drama, this behavior became my constant companion, my little pick-me-up. And the thing was, when I got back into my faith at the end of high school, no one told me about this. No one was talking about this. I would, I would go on YouTube and I would, I would like, you know, look up best romantic scenes from chick flicks or, you know, best kissing scenes. And it wasn't until college when it started to escalate and I finally was typing in, like, sex scenes. And I would have said, I'm not addicted to pornography. No. I'm on YouTube. That's not like an X-rated porn site. I'm totally fine. Spoiler, that's porn, ladies. So this continued in my life. I started getting more and more involved in my faith. I met focused missionaries. I was praying every day. I was going to mass. I was going on the March for Lives, the retreats. But this was still something I was experiencing and doing. And I would have told you, this is my own choice. I'm not hurting anyone. Because as I was getting more involved in my faith, I started to learn more about sexuality, learning more about chastity, and I finally did learn this was wrong. This is a behavior that the church would say is not okay. And I did not agree with that. I agreed with what the world teaches us, right? This is personal empowerment. This helps us learn about our sexuality, ladies. This is something that's good for me, right? I had a lot of reasons to justify what I was doing. And I thought, I'm not hurting anyone. This is my own choice. I'm not, there's no risk of pregnancy or STDs. This is a good thing. I think the church got this one wrong. If you can tell, my pride is also something that the Lord and I have worked with for many years. So Lent was coming up, and I, I literally put it to a test. I said, okay, God, I, I learned that an addiction is something that you put before God, that you literally don't have the will to control to prevent yourself, right? You, you place it above God. You don't have the will to control yourself to stop. And I thought, okay, if this is really my own choice, which I thought it was, I'm going to stop this behavior for all of Lent. And if I can do that easily and not think about it, then I can resume it after Lent at my own discretion. And I've proven, right, proven that it's not an addiction, that I'm in control. Well, first week went great. Didn't think about it at all. Second week, same thing. Third week, it started creeping in. I started thinking about it a lot more. By that fourth week, it was all I could think about. I started having to rearrange my schedule. Say, okay, like I need to get out of the house. I need to not be around more friends. I need to schedule more coffee dates, whatever it is, because this is literally consuming my brain. I started to notice how I was over-sexualizing just my female and male friendships in general because I wasn't getting an outlet somewhere else. And I, it shocked me. Again, I had a prayer life. I was going to mass. I had my Catholic Center friends. But this was something new. And then there was a moment when I literally couldn't control myself and I fell. And I just realized, I'm addicted. 
The church is right. This is something I am no longer in control of. How did this happen? And the next day, I went to confession for the first time and confessed the sins of pornography masturbation. And I wish I could tell you from there, you know, I walked free. I was able to just glide through, you know, as a saint now and never be struggling with addictions. Never once look at pornography or struggle with masturbation again. But that's really the beginning of my story. That was the beginning of me healing and seeking truth and learning how to rid myself of something that had been years and years of building in my life. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today of how to do that. But let's take a step back. I want to go to the definition, because like I said, I would have told you that watching YouTube over-sexualized scenes were not pornography, right? I think there's a lot of definitions out there of what this is, so let's just be clear on what we're talking about. So the catechism has my favorite definition out there. Pornography, the catechism, paragraph 2354, states, is the removing of real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. The removing of real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the parties in order to display them deliberately to third parties. This is a lot of things, ladies. This isn't just visual. This can be audio. This can be written word. Essentially, all it is is anytime you're taking the sexual intimacy of two people and, and consuming it for your own entertainment. When you're not a part of that sexual act, but you're experiencing it in some way, whether you're reading it, you're hearing it, you're watching it, that's porn. Okay, it doesn't mean that you've, if you've seen porn, it doesn't mean you've, you're addicted to porn, but I can honestly tell you that I would think every single person in this room has seen pornography in your lifetime. And that means every one of us has been affected by our over-sexualized culture. So this matters. What we're experiencing in our life matters. Because we can't just brush it off and go, okay, I've seen it, that's great. No, it affects us. It changes how we look at relationships. It changes how our hearts are formed. Mike will not hit that again. Good, thanks guys. So that's what pornography is. And so when you think about all the things, I often, with my ministry and what I do, I like to look at like the top TV shows on Netflix and watch a few episodes just to see what is being consumed out there. Guys, everything. I mean, if you guys have seen uh, Squid Games, if you've seen Bridget Bridgetown or Bridgerton, whatever, uh, if you've seen Game of Thrones, if you've seen Clickbait, I think there was, you've seen porn. Like, and that's like explicit X-rated porn in all of those. And it's forming how you're attracting yourself to other men. It's forming what you're attracted to. It's forming your sexuality. So why is it wrong? Because I think, like I said, the world is telling us this is good for our sexuality, this is good for our independence, this is good for our self-exploration, whatever. But it is harmful to us. And this goes back all at the beginning. I loved this morning's talk and yesterday's talk with Sister with all the women talking about Genesis. Let's go back to the beginning because really when we look at our, our dissatisfied hearts, our longing hearts, the depression, the anxiety, the loneliness, it all comes from a place of grasping. Desiring to watch pornography and, and, and going through an addiction with masturbation is just a symptom of a deeper ache that is longing in our hearts. It's just a symptom. And so when we look at what's going on, we go back to Genesis. I love it in Genesis when it says, we were made in the image and likeness of God. Have you ever thought about what that means, being made in the image and likeness of God? Because that's kind of a big statement. Okay, we're made in the image and likeness. Sounds great. So in order to understand that, we have to understand 
who God is, because if we're made in his image, what, what's the image? So I'm going to do a quick theology lesson, break it down. I'm a visual learner, that's why I have slides. Also, if anyone feels really uncomfortable, they have somebody to look at rather than like be in their nerves. I get you, I love you, and that's why we're doing it. Okay, so um, this is the Trinity broken down, super simply. If you're a journaler like me and you want to write it down, please do. Um, so we've got God the Father, the beginning of time, who loves his son, pours himself out, Literally, because there was so much love, he couldn't contain it all himself. There has to be more three persons. So he loves his son. Jesus' first role is to receive love from his father. Jesus' first role is to receive love from the father. Then and only then can he return that love back to the father. And through this eternal exchange of giving and receiving love, the Holy Spirit is begotten. In a nutshell, this is God. God in and of himself is a relationship, which means that we were made in the image and likeness of a relationship, meaning we were made to be in a relationship. Wow. That means we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be in a divine, everlasting, uncompromising relationship that, to feel loved, and we desire that. And so God knows this. We're made for relationship. He gave us a way to participate in this. He's not just going to leave us hanging. He's not going to be like, cool, I'm God. I made you my image and likeness for an eternal relationship. Good luck on earth. See you later. So he gives us a chance, guys, okay? So write this next one down. It's the next circle. So Jesus Christ sends, or God, the Father, sends his son, Jesus Christ, same person. It's confusing. It's cool. Jesus Christ comes onto earth to be with his beloved, to spend time with us, to enter into our suffering and to die on the cross in the most horrific way death could ever be at the time. He loves us. He gives us his entire self. Man's first role, our first role, is to receive the love of Jesus Christ. To receive the grace. To receive the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. To know that he died on the cross. Not for all of humanity, but for me and for me alone, that he would go through every single thing that he did on that cross for you, just you, no one else. If it was only your soul, he would have done it again. Our first role is to receive that, and then and only then can we return that love back to him so we may participate in divine life and participate in the Trinity now, if you're called a religious life or as a consecrated person, you get to do this in, through vows and live your life on earth through the vows of this relationship, and that is beautiful. But for the rest of us who are called to marriage, this looks differently. You can write husband. And if, in, in scripture, we see husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, Husband's first role is to give his life over, to lay his life down for his bride. To give himself daily, every moment, for his family, for his bride, first and foremost. The wife's role is to first and foremost receive love from her spouse. And we see this physically. If we're looking at the sexual act, this makes complete sense. Even a woman's body is physically made to receive her spouse. Isn't that incredible? We're physically made to receive this is a way that men can't even understand. 
Women have made bodies to receive in this relationship. Then and only then can we return our love, give our entire self back to our spouse. And through this exchange of, of love, giving and receiving, maybe you guys, you know, a baby, new life. So when you look at the sexual act in these lenses, in this lens, the sexual act is a way for us to participate in Trinitarian love here on earth in the physical form. This is a way to have basically the most sacred thing in the entire universe, the Trinity, descend upon earth in a moment of time between two spouses who have avowed their entire lives to each other. They're committed entirely to one another. And they're giving their entire self. This is where, I mean, we're not going to go into these topics today, but contraception, when your woman is like, hey, I'm going to give all of you except for my reproduction, right? That doesn't cut it. That's not giving your entire self. And when you talk about love in this way, and that's why when you look at like premarital sex and you look at like people, they're like, well, we love each other, we love each other. You haven't given yourself totally to the person. What you're saying then is, hey, I'll give yourself for right now, for tonight, for the next few months, maybe a couple years, but, but not for our life. I can't commit that far, sorry. So, so that tells us that it's not what the Lord designed for us. And that means we're always going to be grasping. It's never going to satisfy us because it's not the design. And the design is so beautiful. I want you to sit there when we're talking about this sacred love, this experience of Trinitarian love in the sexual act, and how beautiful that sounds. And if your heart's not exploding, pray with that. Because mine is like on fire for how amazing this is. And when you think about how amazing this is, and then you look at the world's version of love and sex and how it's portrayed in movies and television shows, it's pathetic. St. John Paul II is attributed for a quote that says, the problem with pornography is not that it reveals too much. It's that it reveals too little. It strips the sexual act of how magnificent it truly is of how beautiful, how sacred. There should be no room for insecurity, no fear. If, if played out the way that God designed it. When I, when, I, when I had sex for the first time with my spouse, I'm gonna get real here, guys. I don't, it's always funny when I go on tangents and later on I'm like, oh, that's interesting, Jesus, why you have me tell that story? But okay, so the first time I had sex with my husband, I remember waking up and feeling so loved and feeling so secure and feeling so known and it broke my heart at the same time because I remembered all my friends who haven't had that experience, who've had sex with people who weren't their spouse. And I was like, I, I don't know how I would do this. I would be so insecure. I would feel so afraid. I would feel like if he left me after this, I would be broken. And if you are in that boat, if that has happened to you, if you have been broken in that way, my heart breaks for you too. But that's okay because you can be healed and you can move forward. And this is achievable. You can have this. You don't have to feel alone and scared and insecure. And the world telling you that you should feel like you're on top of the world only adds way more pressure onto it for you to perform well, for you to do X, Y, Z, for you to look a certain way. That is not part of the equation. That is not God's plan. There is freedom in our sexuality, ladies. Freedom. And when you add pornography and masturbation into this equation, you completely cut off what we're talking about. What you're saying is, 
I don't need to give myself to someone else. I can just do this for myself. I can just have the sexual act for myself. Masturbation, I don't need my husband. I don't need a man. I just got myself. And you know what? I know there's a comfort in that, right? That feels really good when you've been hurt a lot. And again, that's why this is a symptom of something deeper going on. So we need to figure that out. What's, what is going on in our hearts? What has been broken that we need to be healed? But it also separates us from that Trinitarian love, and we will continue to grasp and seek and escalate in our addictions and other very destructive behaviors, and we will never feel whole if you continue down that path. This is what we're made for. Another reason why pornography is so harmful is it, it changes your brain. I'm, I'm a science nerd. I love it. I love all things science. That's why, I mean, I'm not telling my whole testimony. It took a long time for me to like fully embrace the Catholic Church. But it, because it, it actually is all science. It's Catholic Church and science go hand in hand. Um, but the brain changes if you're struggling with these addictions. Just like if you had a hardcore drug addiction, like heroin or cocaine, your brain is shifted when watching pornography. So to break it down, a lot of things happen chemically when you watch pornography or, or engage in masturbation, but two chemicals are the most common. Dopamine and oxytocin are released. Dopamine is that like really good feeling chemical, like if you're stressed and you have a release of dopamine, you feel good. This is why, like ladies, if you're on your cycle and you're on your period and you crave chocolate, fun fact, women, when we consume chocolate, dopamine is released. So now if someone's like, don't have that chocolate bar and go, uh-uh, there is scientific reason and medical research that reasons why I should have this chocolate bar right now. Thank you, Kelsey Skoke. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so, so dopamine, the good feeling chemical, we love it. Oxytocin is the relationship binding chemical, right? to make us not feel so alone. And so let's, let's play this out, guys. Okay, so you're watching pornography, masturbation, dopamine, oxytocin, hit. Okay, previously you felt isolated and alone, now you feel happy and connected. <laughs> Sounds amazing, right? So then you go through, you're on social media, you feel alone, you get less likes, you get someone else is going to a party, I don't know, someone else's life looks good and yours is like normal, right? So you feel isolated again, so you think, I remember doing something that made this feel really good for a bit. And you continue down that pattern. And what happens is your equilibrium changes. So if this is where your normal is, you get that high of dopamine oxytocin, right? And it comes back down. But the more you engage in it, the more you, you can keep going back to it, your, your equilibrium lowers. So you're no longer as happy and connected as you usually feel. You feel, start feeling lonely, anxious, and depressed. And so you actually need it more often to get that same high. You've become desensitized to these artificial chemical releases in your brain. And so now you're actually more depressed than you were when you began. You're more lonely and you're more anxious. And so you need to crave and seek out the drug, AKA porn, like more and more and more. And this is heartbreaking. You have to escalate your behavior. You have to start going to more extreme things that you're searching. And then before you know it, you've got this addiction that has just spiraled out of control. And so we need to break the pattern, ladies. So how do we do this? We don't have much time left, so I'm going to break through. Over my time in, in kind of going through healing and experiencing this and growing through this, I help women now. There's steps to freedom. And now we're women, we like to multitask, so you do not have to do these in order. 
You can do these simultaneously. You can do the last one first. Let's, you know, we, we can work with it. So first one is invite Jesus in. I don't know where your prayer life is. I don't know where your relationship with Jesus is. But you need to talk to him about this. I know that's terrifying because I've been there, right? I have to go tell Jesus that I struggle with masturbation. What? I have to tell him that I struggle with pornography. There is so much shame. And that is the lie of the devil, right? The shame. So something I need all of you guys to do, when you start praying with this, I want you to go back to the first exposure, your first time witnessing, experiencing pornography or masturbation. And then I want you to ask the really difficult question and say, Jesus, where were you in this room? And place Jesus in the room. Where, where do you think he was? And I've asked this question to so many women and they'll be like, Jesus is not even in the room. He is across the block. He is like so far gone. He is not watching. And I want to tell you, ladies, Jesus is right next to you in that moment of your first exposure. Because most likely, it happened to you. It was from a friend. It was from a significant other. It was from a family member that was laying it around. It was from an innocent exposure like myself. You did not ask for this. This happened to you. You were first exposed, probably at a very young age. The average age of exposure is eight years old. Gosh, they don't even have, they can't even read yet fully. But they're exposed to this sexualized content. So where was Jesus? Jesus was right next to you, screaming his heart out, literally on the top of his lungs, yelling at the world. His heart is broken that this happened to you. His heart is broken that our over-sexualized world put this in front of you and made this something that you have to struggle with now every single day. And he is weeping with you. He is not ashamed of you. He is not pointing a finger at you. He is not saying that you are bad, disgusting, or any of the lies that the evil one has told you. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of the Lord's love. And he desperately wants you to know it. And the only way he can tell you that is if you bring this to him and say, Jesus, love me. And I'll go one further. Jesus, help me let you love me. Because ladies, it is so hard to let Jesus love us. Amen? That was a little low. So girls, (laughs) I know it's because you're like, this is heavy. I know, I know. But it is so hard to let Jesus love us. Amen? Amen? There's power in this. There's power in the words, girls. Pornography and masturbation, they're not Voldemort. We don't need to be afraid of the words. When you go to confession, use the words. Punch the devil in the face. I'm serious. Girls, there's so much power. Confession is still valid if you don't use the words, okay? You can say, I struggle with personal purity, whatever. I get it. But if you say, I struggle with pornography, I struggle with masturbation, and you use those words, you are literally punching the devil in the face and saying, I say no more. I can stand up for my own sexuality. I want healing, I want freedom. Evaluate your own experience. So going from that first exposure we just talked about, look at your life. When did the addiction progress? What was going on in your life when it started to get more difficult and temptations were rising? Was there a transition, divorce, moving, going to college? So through evaluating your experience, you can identify your specific triggers. The triggers for this addiction are loneliness, boredom, exhaustion, stress. Sound like your first semester of college, anyone? And that's the same for men and women. Women, we get a bonus trigger. Fun, right? Love bonuses. 
ovulation time of the month. So men, it's interesting, if you're talking to a man about this struggle, they're gonna struggle with this consistently, right? And so when they're working towards recovery, it is a consist consistent recovery. When I work with women, their periods were like, this is a breeze, Kelsey, I'm doing fine. Kind of like when I shared my story for a few weeks, I was fine. And then it's gonna hit you like a ton of bricks. Like that's gonna be all you can think about. And that's because it's the time of the month where your body is literally saying you can get pregnant right now. Please desire sex. And there's, that's not, I'm not telling this to hate your body. I'm telling us to love our bodies. God made our bodies in such a beautiful way. We can plan for this, ladies. We can look ahead at our schedules and look, okay, I know that I'm gonna be ovulating at this time. I literally would have a little star in my little calendar. So that week, I need to get out of the house more. I need to schedule more sleep. If tests are coinciding with that week, I need to have an active plan for this. So look at your specific triggers and monitor yourself. Create a plan for yourself. Removing any extra temptations, but adding in good things too. Coffee dates, connection. Because again, this is a desire for relationship, that relationship we're made for. So we need to be adding those in. Get more prayer time. Get with Jesus, our beloved, the literal ultimate relationship we're made for. Get in front of him. Talk to him. Monitor yourself. I have so many women who tell me, like, okay, I really struggle at night, right? I'm, my, I'm on social media with my phone, and then it's just a gateway to all the things, right? I go, well, okay, just, just get rid of your phone then. Don't have it in the room. Oh, but Kelsey, it's my alarm clock. Do you know, at Walmart, they have these things <laughs> called alarm clocks, and they're about $5, right? But get, you, whatever excuse you want to come up with, I trust me, there is a way to get rid of that trigger. There's a way to get rid of it. Do it for yourself, guys. Don't do it for anyone else. You deserve true love. You deserve authentic love, freedom, healing. Establish accountability. You are not on an island. Anyone who's just been in this talk, you can now talk to and be like, hey, I need some help. You need to have a fellow sister who can walk with you. They don't have to struggle with this addiction too. You can be like, hey, I have something heavy to talk to you about. Then lay it out. Go, hey, can you keep me accountable to these goals of monitoring myself? Hey, during these weeks, can I call you to check in? Hey, is there anything you're struggling with? Maybe they're struggling with, you know, disordered eating or a shopping addiction or, heck, there's so many things that we're struggling with in our life. You can be keeping them accountable for their thing. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing. But work together on this, ladies. And last but not least, seek spiritual healing and professional help. Counseling, praise God, has been announced in many talks. I remember getting really frustrated with the Lord because he wasn't removing my addiction. Like, I've been praying, I've been going to daily mass, I mean, I was a missionary. Jesus, why is this something I still struggle with? And it's because he didn't want to just take away the addiction. He wanted to heal me. He wanted my whole heart to be healed. And so go to counseling, learn what, where's this coming from? Is there some trauma from our past, sexual or emotional or physical trauma? Was there some relationship that now is making me act out in this way? Find out the truth. Spiritual directors, work with them and go to confession. Go to confession more often than you fall. So if you fall every month, go to confession every week. I know that sounds like a lot, and you're like, whoa, Kelsey, it's a little extreme. I haven't been in confession in two years, and you're done and go every week. But I need you to know you're not defined by this sin. And when you go to confession only when you fall sexually, 
you start to believe that. You start to believe that that's all you are, is your sexual sin. So go more often than that. Start to confess new things. Realize there's more to your person than your sexual sin. And then as you continue to, hopefully, with the help of the Lord and other resources, grow and have your falls be less and few and farther between, you'll start to confession a little less. Still, I think you should go at least every month because the grace of the Lord's and confession is worth it. But receive that healing. You deserve it. And I'm running short on time, so I want to give you a couple quick resources because every time I've given this talk, I, I get so many women coming up to me telling me their stories. We both are crying a lot of times. I already cried right before this talk when a woman came and shared with me her story on Thanksgiving from my talk a few years back. You're going to feel really convicted, and hopefully you go home, you throw away devices, you th throw away the trash movies, whatever it is that you've been kind of cyclically watching and doing. But in a few weeks, it's going to hit. And you might forget some of this conviction you feel. So I do have, I got to put it all in a book for you called Uncompromising Purity. It's not just a guy problem. It's literally everything I just said in my talk plus a little bit more. I don't, I'm not trying to sell my book. Literally, this, it's like $8. It's super cheap. And even then, if you like, I'm giving this to you because my heart is broken for our world and for women. And we deserve better. And so if you think this could be helpful and you need a resource to remember all these things, um, it's for sale. I'll be there, um, meet and greet. You don't have to come by my book. You just come say hi and talk um, at the Chastity Project booth in Mission Way right on the left when you enter. Um, come say hi. Tell me your story. I'd love to learn and hear from you. Other resources, um, my website, kelseyskoke.com, has a list of purity resources for you. And then magdala.com is a ministry that I'm on the board for that helps women specifically with this addiction and helps put them into online support groups together to be accountable and share. So please seek out the resources. Please know I'm praying for you. Let's close in a Hail Mary. I love you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.